Yes, there was, there was the sound of the wind, there was the tongues of fire. But those things were really just drawing attention to the main event, the Word. The Word was being preached in all languages. So that's what's really amazing about the day of Pentecost, is the Holy Spirit working through the Word. It's amazing that, that there was the sound of a rushing wind, but what's, what's more amazing is that the Spirit was rushing into hearts without an invitation by the power of the Word. Yes, there was, there was fire burning above their heads, but there was also fire burning in their hearts all through the Word. Truly amazing. They were speaking languages they never learned before. Even more amazing than that, people were learning about the wonders of God. The following is a sermon from Peace Lutheran, a church located in downtown Aiken, South Carolina. For more information and for more content, go to peaceinaiken.com. This reading from Acts chapter 2 gives us the details of that day of Pentecost almost 2,000 years ago, when the Holy Spirit was poured out just like God had promised. We read from Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. 
Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is God's word. Everything about that day of Pentecost was amazingly over the top. You've got these noises from heaven. You've got the tongues of fire. You've got unlearned languages. And on top of that, it's, it's a festival day in the city of Jerusalem. So there are thousands of people that get to witness all of this. That day of Pentecost was like this spontaneous worship service with with no shortage of miracles. And then when it's all said and done, if you you keep reading that Pentecost story, 3,000 people are baptized. That's a big day. That is amazing. But let me ask you, Is it that the the Spirit was poured out so powerfully, so fully on that day, so that now 2,000 years later, we just have a few drops of the Spirit remaining? You know, do we leave our worship services thinking, oh, that was pleasant, that was nice? Where is the amazement? Where is the bewilderment? You know, maybe, maybe some people are thinking, well, if we had the spirit like they did, then, then I'd get excited. You know, if, if we had those miracles, I'd really be amazed. But what was so amazing about that day of Pentecost is still true today. The spirit is still working these amazing wonders. He works wonders through the word, through our witness, And he's doing it throughout the whole world. There's really no denying that day of Pentecost was truly amazing. You've got the disciples, not just just 12 of them, but, but more like 120 believers. They're sitting in a room. And then out of nowhere comes this loud heavenly noise. It's it's like the noise of a hurricane force wind. But no wind is felt. And then out of nowhere, there's, there's fire or, or what seems like fire. And it's there. And then it, it separates. And then it goes and sort of floats above the heads of these disciples. Holy Spirit is so good at orchestrating this event. You know, you start with that loud noise that attracts crowds of people. And then you add the the pyrotechnics, the the flames of fire. And then comes the performance, really. The disciples are speaking languages they've never learned before. That is amazing. I, I lived in China for almost 11 months, and I do not know if I can correctly pronounce 11 words. And the disciples are speaking these languages fluently, like they've known them whole lives. The Holy Spirit came in a very big way. The people were just blown away, utterly amazed. 
But is that how people feel about church today? I don't think you need one of those studies or those reports to tell you that less and less people are going to church these days. Seems like a lot of, lot of young people aren't going to church these days, right? And people ask me that. They say, Vicar, why aren't our young people going to church these days? That's a good question. Maybe, do people, do people think church is boring? You know, they, they're, they're expecting this, this amazing encounter with the divine, but then it, it just sort of feels mundane to them. What is it that we need to do that, that makes church amazing? You know, how do, we, how do we tap into the Spirit's power like that and, and really blow people away? Do we need to make sure that our, our music is just out of this world? Do, do we need the, the dramatic lighting and the, the pyrotechnic? Maybe you want to will fog machines really make it feel more, more spiritual? Or maybe that the loud concert music, maybe that's not what we need. Maybe we just need more complete silence. So that if we listen just carefully enough, we can hear this, this whisper of the Holy Spirit. Or maybe it's, maybe it's something that I'm saying that that's not working. Maybe I need to change my language. You know, maybe, maybe whoever's standing up here needs to soften their language, talk, talk less about sin... And talk more about self-improvement. That'll, that'll really inspire the people. That'll, that'll amaze them and get them going. I don't know. People want to be moved by the Spirit. People want to be amazed. But how does that work? How does the Holy Spirit work? Well, how did that day of Pentecost almost 2,000 years ago work? Yes, there was, there was the sound of the wind, there was the tongues of fire. But those things were really just drawing attention to the main event, the Word. The Word was being preached in all languages. And so that's what's really amazing about the day of Pentecost, is the Holy Spirit working through the Word. It's amazing that, that there was the sound of a rushing wind, but what's What's more amazing is that the Spirit was rushing into hearts without an invitation by the power of the Word. Yes, there was, there was fire burning above their heads, but there was also a fire burning in their hearts all through the Word. Truly amazing. They were speaking languages they'd never learned before. Even more amazing than that, People were learning about the wonders of God. So I don't think it's really any different for us today. We can't see the Holy Spirit, you know, just like the wind. You can't see the wind, but we know where the Spirit is found. In God's Word. And we, we don't have to listen very, very carefully like this, this little whisper is just going to whisper into our ears comes loud and clear through the hurricane gust of the gospel. Do you realize what's happening in this room right now? As I'm preaching the words of this sermon, whenever, whenever Stephen plays that amazing rendition of Amazing Grace during the offering and everybody gets goosebumps, 
when, when the, the dramatic lighting spotlights the cross, when, when that water drips off the hair of that little baby girl, do you know what's really happening in this room? The Spirit is working so powerfully through the Word. So powerfully. He's taking what was dead, incapable of, of any sort of self-improvement, and he brings new life. He does that through the Word. The, the Holy Spirit takes the Word. He takes the law and the gospel. Like, like two pads of a defibrillator and he jolts life into us. It's that kind of incredible surging power. And it happens today. An amazing wonder. It must have been pretty amazing to be in the crowd on that day, right? To see all of that, to, to hear all of that, to be a part of that experience. But I think it would have been pretty amazing to be one of those disciples too, wouldn't it? To be able to, to stand up and, and just so boldly proclaim God's word to people. Complete strangers, they'd never met them. And they're just sharing the wonders of God with them. Wouldn't that be amazing? You think about Peter. Peter stands up and, and on the spot gives this impromptu sermon to thousands and thousands of people. And did you notice how amazing it is? Peter just, he, he quotes Joel. He quotes the prophet Joel like, like he just has it in his back pocket. And he, he preaches this beautiful, beautiful sermon. You can keep reading Acts chapter 2. But I think sometimes it can be easy on the day of Pentecost today to celebrate their bold witness, the bold witness of the disciples, but then sit here and think, well, that was amazing for them. But I wish I could do that. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be to thousands of people, but just one maybe? Couldn't I just witness to one person? I wish I could, I wish I could share something from God's word with, with that lady that I, I play tennis with every Friday morning, and she, she's going through a really tough divorce. I wish I could just say something. Or, or that boy in my math class, his grandpa just died. I wish I could say something about Jesus' resurrection. Or my wife of, of 35 years, the love of my life. I wish I could share with her the other love of my life, my dear Savior. Just, just one. We want to be bold witnesses. But can we? You know, is it, is it something that just some people were born with and, and other people not so much? Do we need to be able to quote verses and verses of Scripture just, just from memory? Do we need to be lifelong church members and, and have this gleaming reputation with, with our family and our friends and our church and our community? Or does it really does it have to be an ordained pastor that can be a bold witness? And on top of that, does that pastor need to be, you know, hip and young and, and a dynamite speaker? Because then, then the church will grow to thousands of people. What makes a bold witness? Think back to that day of Pentecost. Who was it that, that stood up and gave a sermon to thousands of people? Peter? 
the disciple Peter, really, the same one that a couple weeks ago, sitting around the campfire, and a servant girl asks him about Jesus. Perfect witness opportunity. It's, it's, a, you know, it's right there. He's just got to take it. Drops the ball. Three times. That's the Peter who stands up and gives his sermon? Or what about the other 11 disciples who stood up with him? Who, who are they again? Galileans? Fishermen and, and lowlifes from, from out in the sticks in, in northern Israel? Those, those are the people? Just, just ordinary people. And you notice, some people, they, they realize that. They realize they're just, they're just Galileans, right? But some people even thought that they were drunk. You know, they had a few too many mimosas that morning. They're acting kind of crazy. Have you ever wondered why, why, it, why is it that they thought that they were drunk in, at nine in the morning? The disciples, they weren't speaking gibberish. They were speaking real languages. People were understanding them. There was real communication going on. But the people thought they were drunk because they were filled with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit had been poured into their hearts and it was a heavy pour. You, you could rightfully say they were drunk on the Spirit. Their, their inhibitions were lowered. They were, they were speaking so confidently, so boldly, so freely with nothing to lose. They felt like a million bucks. Isn't the same true today? What is it that makes a bold witness? I, I don't know if that's the right question. Maybe the right question is who makes a bold witness? The Holy Spirit makes a bold witness. Don't you see how he, he uses the ordinary to work the amazing. The Spirit is poured out on ordinary people like us to accomplish God's amazing purposes. And so being a, being a gospel witness, it's not something you were born with. It's something you were born into at your baptism. Being a, being a gospel witness, being a bold witness, isn't just coming up with the perfect words to share with your neighbor. But instead, it's the Holy Spirit coming into your hearts through the word of the gospel. It's sipping that sweet, sweet gospel that takes away any fear and fills you with the courage to be a bold witness. That makes you feel like a million bucks because what the gospel does is it takes Jesus' gleaming reputation and makes it yours. You are spirit-filled witnesses. Not half-filled, but filled to the brim. The Holy Spirit certainly worked through the Word. Certainly worked through the witness of those disciples. And it wasn't without amazing results. That group of 120 believers added 3,000 people that day. Isn't that amazing? 3,000 people. And these people, these are people from all over. Jews that have been born all over the world that are gathered in Jerusalem. Some of them converts to Judaism. Can you imagine how many different cultures and stories are being brought into this one place? It's so amazing. 
I don't know if we have quite 120 people in here. It looks like we're pretty close. But can you imagine if we added 3,000? How many, how many times, I'm wondering, would we have to fill the baptismal font to do 3,000 baptisms? Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't that be amazing if we had to expand this beautiful building and call three more pastors just to do ministry here at Peace? Wouldn't it be amazing if, if we could get lots more young families here in these doors? And Wouldn't it be amazing if, if we could have just a vibrant blend of, of different people groups and ethnicities and careers and ages and all of that? I'm not doubting the Spirit's power. He is for sure capable of that. I know he is. But what I'm afraid of is I think sometimes we measure amazing success by those kinds of numbers. We, we measure our success by how many young families we, we can get here on a Sunday morning. We measure our success by, by how many numbers we can add each year as the church grows. But what I think is absolutely amazing is that any single one of us is in this room this morning. I don't think we have too much Jewish heritage in this room. Not many of us are descended from the Israelites. So have you ever wondered, how is it that we have come to know God? To know the Lord? There's got to be some stories there, right? You think back to history. You think back to your, your family heritage. What did it take for the Spirit to put the Word in your hearts? There's got to be some stories there. Let me share with you just one story. 1868, Julius and his wife Emily, they move from Germany and sail across the Atlantic and settle in Detroit, Michigan. Years later, their grandson, Earhart, and his wife, Lizetta, they farm potatoes during the Great Depression. Years later, their great-great-grandson, moves to a small town in the south, and he baptizes the little daughter of the sweetest couple from India. How does that happen? How does the great-grandson of German potato farmers baptize the daughter of two doctors who moved from India to South Dakota to South Carolina? And that's just two of the stories in this room this morning. How many other stories are out there? How many, many other coming to Aiken stories, coming to peace stories, coming to faith stories? Countless. And all of those stories, all of them intertwined in this one room on the day of Pentecost. It's the day of Pentecost. You know, we, we could maybe up with some reasons to skimp out and celebrate. But when you see what the Spirit is doing in this room, that the Spirit is working wonders, he's, he's filling this room with the Word and with our worship. He, he's drowning the worry and the nerves in our timid hearts to make us bold witnesses of the, of the gospel truth. And the Holy Spirit has moved literal mountains in history and your family heritage to bring you together 
in this room right here. To me, it doesn't sound that different from that day of Pentecost 2,000 years ago. The believers, about 120 of them, were, were sitting in one room. And then the amazing happened. They stood up and boldly declared the wonders of God. So let's do that very same thing. Let's stand up and boldly declare the wonders of God that we believe by faith. Please stand. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became fully human. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate, he suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. His kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Amen.